Hello and welcome to another episode of The Brave Room. Uh, as always, I am your host, Juan Amiro. So we're joined here today by, by Aaron Kaufman from Square Santa Monica, Enix. Say hi, Aaron, <laughs> I guess. Uh, no, hey guys, uh, I really appreciate being here. It's, uh, it's really an honor and it's, uh, um, it's, just, it's always awesome to connect with uh, folks like yourself who are doing good raising this industry up and all of our fans around the world, no matter, no matter what games you're, you're, you're a fan of. And with me today is also joining me is Kit. Say hi, Kit. Hey, hello. I'm fellow writer of the Gaming Brace team, too. It's been a week, so... Don't... <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, so we, we hope, to our dear listeners, we hope that you're keeping safe right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy effing world out there right now. Uh, I think wherever you live, um, every country is dealing with their own, you know, challenges. And, um, you know, certainly here in the U.S., um, we've got our, our fair share. But I think, nonetheless... You know, there's a lot of good humans on this planet, and um, you know, I'm just happy to be alive, healthy, and well. You know, have a roof over my head, a job, and um, I think if we're if we have those things, we should we should just be grateful for that right now. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, before we go into like the specifics of your job, can you just uh, describe your formal education before you actually got into the games industry? Yeah, so. Um, I, I sort of grew up in games, uh, not because my, my parents or anybody uh, in my family worked in games, but um, in, in middle school and high school, um, I used to help a marketing research firm uh, test video games and collect feedback from kids and adults to understand what consumers thought of games for marketing research. And through that experience, interning and working in that field, I, I gained a lot of knowledge and a lot of passion for wanting to work in the video game industry. Um, so following high school um, with absolutely zero plan to work in the video game industry, but a desire for it, um, I went to uh, the University of California in San Diego, spent four years there getting my undergraduate, uh, getting my bachelor's degree as an undergraduate. And um, I, I majored in uh, film. I had originally been inspired by the Matrix films in the late 90s and early 2000s. and had this desire to be a visual effects producer and I thought that was going to be the glamorous job. And uh, so I, I thought I was going to film school, but I came out of college with a, a completely different path and, and desire to want to get into the gaming industry. And that's, uh, that's, the, that's the educational path that I, uh, that I took to get in here. But uh, I wouldn't say my college degree is the reason that I'm working in the gaming industry today. So you should all stay in school. Yeah, we. Uh, we did some background research before before you came on the show, and I was surprised to see you, you have you you have a degree in visual art, right? <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm I'm not a painter, though my my grandma was a a, a a potter, and my mom is an architect, and my dad is a photographer. So there is a lot of art that runs through my family, and my sin my sister's a singer, uh, but me visual artist was the term for film major at uc san diego uh it was just the film school there was a lot more um artsy fartsy if you will it wasn't like you know here take the camera and let me show you the the, the technicalities of this it was more like let's watch these art films and and like analyze them and um it wasn't at all what i thought but but i'm proud to have that visual arts major term on my resume <laughs> to that point like you do more towards like community management now right yeah, yeah, I've, um, I've, I've really been a community kind of slash social media manager by trade. Um, 
really since 2004 since I got since I got my foot in the industry. That's that's really interesting because I think a lot of people would think that the idea of a community manager didn't exist until like Twitter did. So <laughs> so 2004 is like yeah. a, a lot further back than people previously thought. I don't think people necessarily lose sight of this, but I think you know a lot of the the, the kids and millennials today um, truly don't know that the word community. You know, really came from like the early days of, say, Blizzard and StarCraft or EA and The Sims. Um, you know, even early online games of Doom and Halo and Marathon, and you know, kind of all the early adopters who were building community in the more old school ways using traditional message boards. You know, we see the likes of Reset Era today, which is the closest to a traditional message board that you would find the gaming industry on, where. Reddit is really the, the social media message board of just about anything, but Reddit wasn't around, you know, as prominent as it was, you know, back in 2004. Um, and then, you know, back then it was all about IRC chat rooms, AOL 1.0, um, you know, folks passionate as yourself starting uh, fan sites and websites. One of my favorite early sites was a place called ModDB, um, which I think is still around today, but. They were one of the, the earliest places where you would go and find people who were creating um, UGC from games like Red vs. Blue or, you know, a Minecraft mod. Not that Minecraft existed back then, but that's where you would go to see what people were creating. I, um, I think was... I actually went to MonDB. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in those early days, we didn't, we didn't have social media to build community. What we had was identifying you know our most active fans on our message boards who was talking the most who had the most posts who seemed to have some kind of the most clout and influence and then traditional fan sites you know when i was on uh, command and conquer uh, back in the day we had um you know probably 20 or 30 you know fan sites that were just dedicated to reporting and kind of fandomizing our game and they were the ones who people were going to visit to get news and rumors and the latest and greatest what we were doing and you know they were the ones that i really treated as like our you know our inner circle our, our inner core and wanted to make them you know feel like you're the you are the influencers of our community and things have certainly evolved still then but i i do think that the same principles still apply today i mean if you really wanted a blast from the past neopets most of the people were speaking on their message boards too hosted on the website there was just so many so many things on there yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, there's a lot of studios today that um, bring, you know, um, you know, professional players in or community members to help improve their games. And, and I by no means am saying that, you know, uh, you know, I helped pioneer that trend. Uh, there's many before me that did it. But one of the things I did in my earlier days at EA, when I was working again on Command and Conquer, um, there was a, a message board called GameReplays.org. And that was kind of where the most advanced Command and Conquer and RTS players were, you know, kind of conversing about the game. And and we identified that as a source of let's bring in some of these players to our studio and treat them as one of our own, not just for a day, but for a week. And we'll we'll make them feel a part of our team. We'll integrate them into our process. And and our goal isn't necessarily getting a PR hit or, or word of mouth out of them. It's literally like. You know our game best. You have the voice of the community. Help us improve it. Help us make it better. And we called that our command and conquer balance test. And I think that really set the stage for a lot of my thinking for for years to come and how to 
how to engage with your fans in a way that feels like you're at my dinner table. You know, it, and, and yes, it's my dinner table, but I'm inviting you to it and you can come sit at this dinner table whenever you want. Or you want to go have a beer at the pub or you want to go have a coffee, you know, let's go do that. But I always want to treat you and talk to you like you're me and I'm you and we're one of the same. And um, that's how I want our authentic relationship to feel when we're when we're engaging with our fans. That's, the, that's definitely a great way to put it, the whole uh, the whole dinner table thing. I think back in the day that that definitely felt a lot better compared to now, nowadays with like the influencer based stuff you know it feels very pre-packaged like hey i'm at this studio hash you know convenient hashtag right here <laughs> yeah i think um you know in, I, i'm a big fan of of influencer or i think what many of us refer to them as creators you know, whether you're a YouTuber with 100 subscribers or you're Mr. Beast with, you know, 100 million across all your channels, um, you know, I like to think that we're all coming at it from a similar passion of love for the IPs that we want to celebrate, love for wanting to just engage with an audience. And, um, you know, I, I really admire um, as big as Fortnite is, for example, um, they uh, I remember they did a, a thing maybe it was a year ago where they basically had a game jam with a set of professional players um, and creators from their community. And they brought them in for, I think it was like a two day affair. It was almost, they turned it into a bit of like a reality show. Um, but I think the intent and the desire behind it to create, you know, unexpected creations from their modding tools for Fortnite and then release those into the wild as um, pieces of work that the Epic and the Fortnite team said you know this has our stamp of approval i thought that was a really really awesome way to work with quote influencer you know the the, the traditional model of giving codes to influencers having them play the game hashtag ad all that to generate impressions there's there's merit to that i i support it but i think when we're really trying to build relations it's it's more than just giving the code it's you know how do i how am i developing a relationship with you a, a, a friendship so that it's not just I'm giving you a code to reach your audience. I'm giving you a code as a way to introduce myself to you. Um, and that's that takes time, that takes effort. Um, and it's not time and effort that everybody has, but I think every social or community manager at heart or influencer marketer at heart, you know, I think the ones who really appreciate the art of it, that's, I think that's really where they, they'd wanna be. It's one of those like, you understand that not every studio can do it for every project, but you appreciate, right. you really appreciate it when they do. Yeah, especially like the, you know, I, I totally get a lot of the indie developers, you know, they they don't have a big publisher over their head who has the clout of a, a Square Enix or an EA or a Blizzard who, you know, we're, we're fortunate as Square Enix. We, we have a built-in audience of millions of fans around the world. I, I don't have to try half as hard as um, an indie game developer who is just getting started to build their brand and their game and build a following. Granted, Square Enix has been around for, for many, many years. So, you know, especially for game developers or you know community managers of those game developers that are trying to use every tactic in the book to get the word out about their incredible game i'm a big supporter of that whether you're doing a traditional influencer model or you know you're doing an old school tactic of bringing you know gamers in to check out your game and go report back on it you know whatever you can do that makes it feel um like it's genuine and authentic um I, i'm always going to be a supporter of that Presumably, you know, because you say you started in 2004, it's, that's now it's 17 years ago. 
you've had to <laughs> you've you've had to explain this job to people who may not be familiar with the whole shebang of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what what do you think are the most like common misconceptions? Common misconceptions. Um well, I think uh I think a funny common misconception is that people think a lot of times that um you know, social media channels might be run by a junior person or an intern, uh which, you know, is often not the case. A lot of times you got very experienced people with 10 years of, of years of experience that are that are doing the work behind there and no matter what age you are, you know, we can we can talk the talk and walk the walk and and speak the lingo. So I think that's a I think that's a funny misconception. Um I think a lot of times people underestimate uh there's a there's a misconception on the 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 time and effort that goes into the planning and scheduling and creation of content that you see on social media. You know, for us at Square Enix, um it may not sound like we have a lot of channels when I tell you that we have Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and a YouTube and those are our primary channels. Um but when you look at us and you think, wow, you know, we've got 8 to 12 games that are active at any given time that we are marketing or post-marketing or supporting and engaging and content and the fact that all 8 to 12 of those games might have a different marketing person, a different PR person, you know, at any given time on any given week, my team and I might be working with 40 to 50 people all in across various emails and have to kind of juggle those communications, juggle those nuances and tendencies of what's okay and what's not okay. So there's I don't even know if it's a misconception, but there might be a a fairly vast misunderstanding of how much thought and effort um and kind of uh planning goes into running social media channels. It's not just we come in one day and we're like, "Oh, we're going to tweet this, we're going to tweet this right now." Sure, that happens, and that did happen yesterday. There was this uh thought cloud bubble meme that was going on on Twitter and we saw that and Square Enix we we decided to participate in it and we we within 5 minutes we came up with an idea and we put something out and it got great engagement but those ideas don't just you know fall in your lap every 5 minutes you know we're planning days weeks out in advance um so i think the other the other big misconception is um just understanding that social media managers really have to be among the best communicators in any kind of industry, any kind of profession. Um, you know, we as a social media manager are honestly we we are as much PR and marketing and social media combined. Every word, every character, everything we put out there is representing the brand of whatever it is you're working on. And if you say something that irks someone or that goes left when you're supposed to go right or whatever um and you didn't think about that that can turn into an issue um and i've had i've had moments like that in my career and and thankfully none have been you know horrendous but you got to be on you got to really really make sure that when you push that tweet button or post that facebook post that is it is it on tone is it on brand is it is it the right thing to say have i thought through like the reaction to this or the chain reaction to this um and those are like milliseconds that you're thinking through those things um and and eventually it becomes second nature it becomes kind of your habit but there's a lot of skill and 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 time that goes into kind of becoming that that type of person um and it it takes practice and and you will fail along the way but it it definitely is not easy 
it's it's funny you bring that up the sometimes you make a tweet and you don't realize like how how far south it can go uh, yeah <laughs> do, you, do you are we allowed to talk about other studios case studies because uh I I think it was last year during the the BLM protests. Uh, I think it was 2K. They they tweeted something about, "Hey, cops are pigs, but you can kill them in Duke Nukem," or something <laughs> like that. And it was just like, "Wow, someone okayed this, huh?" <laughs> I mean, yeah. To be honest with you, I I don't I don't recall uh, any you know any I don't I don't recall that in particular. And and I you know I I hope for the best if if something like that did occur that whoever was involved in that situation, that there was a, a learning from it and it, it worked itself out. Um, I have friends that work at 2K and I, I, I love everybody at 2K. And um, I, I think from my own personal experience, um, you know, especially with like sensitive situations when there are, uh, you know, like let's, let's take Trump right now or just politics in general, right? Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what side you're on, you know, regardless, you know, there are, names in our country right now that are at the center of controversy and you know as a as a brand uh there are brands out there that that are really believe in their their platform and, and want to go take a stand that and i and i completely respect that uh i'll call one out ben and jerry's ice cream major brand here they 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 own who they are they own their identity and, and they're proud of it and i think you know for us here at Square Enix, like we're extremely proud of who we are as a brand, and we have a different we have a different strategy. We have a different way that we communicate. That's maybe not who we are today. Might not be who exactly we will be. But we took a stand during Black Lives Matter to support that. We took a stand during Pride Month uh, to create a new mascot to start showing our support, you know, down that road. And I think it's it's really the responsibility of every brand to kind of to figure out like what is what's authentic to you you know don't just latch on to a social calling um you know just because everybody else is um you know there are time and places where that makes sense but if you're going to do it do it in a way that's authentic to you know to how you are going to put yourself out there and think through you know like put ourselves out there like what's the what's the resulting reaction are we doing this from like a true genuine place um and that's very difficult that's you know it it is it, it's a very very sensitive part of the role um it's a very difficult part to talk about because um it, it's just it's hard to like say what's right what's wrong what's not enough um but i, I know for the better part of my career I've, I've always tried to i've always tried to be neutral um you know especially for my personal brand my, my personal account um i take pride in standing up for what i believe in but i also take pride in recognizing that in my role, in this kind of role, I, I, I work at a company and, and my voice can can impact the brand of that company. And so I take that into consideration. I take my friends and family into consideration. So, um, you know, not to belabor the point, but when you're when you're a social media manager and you're dealing with with issues like that, um, it's a very challenging process in your head to kind of know what's what's the right thing to say and what's what's not the right thing to say. Yeah, the, there, yeah. therein lies the skill, isn't it? Yeah, I understand that, because yeah. uh, often, oftentimes you can also get comments that like you're not doing enough, and that sort of thing. And it's 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 hard because you have a, you have a job. You also like to help in what way you can. But there is 
a certain point where it might be a bit hard to toe the line. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a difficult subject to talk about because you know I don't want to veer into a place where I'm speaking on behalf of any other brand or their their philosophy and beliefs, and and even our own company at Square Enix, like we are, um, I, I think I think we're we're very passionate about wanting to be part of the conversations that we feel are authentic to what we believe in, and I I think that's a direction that you'll see us you know press more into in the years to come. Uh, we're taking our time. Um, but we're, we're putting our we're putting our words down on paper where where we think they matter, and um, and then, you know I'm super super proud to be part of that journey since I came in here. It's uh, it's been quite a first year having to kind of be in a role where a lot of these real world issues you know do intersect your your strategy, your your social media brand strategy, and how do you you know what what's the one that you you know in some respects jump on the bandwagon? What's the one that is kind of true to your heart. Um, how do you appease everybody when, in reality, you probably can't? Yeah. Um, those are doesn't matter what industry you're in. Those are those are questions that any social media manager or doing or PR or marketer kind of has to ask themselves when you when your brand intersects with with real world issues like that. You were at Santa Monica previously, right? Santa Monica Studios, mm-hmm. and now yeah. now you now you're at good old Squeenix. Uh, <laughs> like and any big differences from from the jump oh man um it's a great question um i, I kind of like i love answering this uh to people that i kind of explain my role to so when i was at santa monica studio and and truly since i started my career in 2004 at, at ea los angeles um i've always been on the studio side I've always been a you know community or social media manager, whatever you want to call me, who is embedded right there next to the creative director. Uh, you know, at Santa Monica Studio, I worked hand in hand with Corey Barlog, creative director of God of War. Uh, my boss was Shannon Studstill, head of studio. I was, um, in many ways, the you know oversaw the social media strategy for the studio and our games, and I was a conduit to our marketing and PR partners and, and kind of anybody who was touching the brand of God of War or Santa Monica Studio uh, generally would connect with me. Um, and in many cases, I would connect them through me with other folks of our studio. And, you know, and, and that was really kind of the, the source of my career for the last 15 years, understanding development teams and how games are made and the tendencies of developers and really understanding it from that side. Well, now here at Squeaks, Square Enix, I'm <laughs> um, hoping nobody killed me for saying it that way. Um, I'm, I'm going to use that now. <laughs> I'm, on the, I'm on the mothership side. I'm on, I'm on the, the, the publisher side, the other, the other side of the coin, where now I'm on the side working with the various studio community managers of our different games in Square Enix um, and predominantly my own team. My team, uh, myself and my team, we own, uh, we oversee the brand accounts for Square Enix. So you're at Square Enix, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And and our job is really, how do we create um, excitement and awareness and kind of what I call unforgettable engagement uh, with everything touching any games of Square Enix or our merchandise or books or anything under the sun that touches the brand of Square Enix is what we try to kind of share with our fans and, and get them hype about. Um, but I'm no longer on the studio side. 
And so now I'm on, I'm in this like interesting kind of end recipient place where when Marvel's Avengers is creating a new trailer for say Kate Bishop, um, I'm not on the studio side, maybe working with with the, the art director or the creative director to kind of help inform, you know, hey, can we, can we get this out of the trailer or do this to kind of make it work for our Marvel's Avengers social channel? No, now I'm on the other side receiving that trailer and figuring out how do I take this Kate Bishop trailer and promote it on the Square Enix channels? And, and what are things that I can do with it? Can I take some clips from it? Do I turn it into an Instagram story? Um, so it's a very different side of the coin, but I think the benefit that I bring into this role um, is, a, is a very deep understanding of how games are made and the, the ways we can approach and work with studios, you know, to make them feel respected, uh, to make them feel like we're honoring, you know, their work, their creations, when we promote their games on social. Um, so it's a very interesting and different challenge. I also have um, a lot more games that I'm working on at once. At Santa Monica Studio, it was, it was God of War, maybe a couple other titles, like, you know, could be Fat Princess, could be Hohokam, could be The Order 1886. Um, but generally speaking, it was maybe two to three titles at any given time. Here at Square, it's anywhere from eight to 12 titles at any given time, be it mobile, be it, an, you know, a game that just got announced, be it Marvel's Avengers, again, a live service game that is, you know, continuing on. Um, mm -hmm. I got to think through all the different ways with my team, how we support and promote these titles consistently. Um, that's a very different, different challenge, uh, but, but I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Since you were with Santa Monica for the God of War promotional period, yeah, I need I need to know your role in those God of War memes. <laughs> My role, oh man, the now some of the most infamous game industry memes of all time. I think, right? I mean, uh, you know, I'll be honest. Like we 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 weren't the inventors of that. I mean, I, I say the the likes of our our brothers and sisters at Naughty Dog, you know, really with uh, Uncharted and The Last of Us. I mean, they 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 really kind of started that trend way back but i think we took you know inspiration is sometimes the sincerest form of flattery and I, I think we took a lot of inspiration and tried to level up and and many now have even done it even better than we did it a couple of years ago my role in it um it, it it was really kind of in two interesting places um i take absolute zero credit zero like negative zero for the any of the art or even the inception of uh of the ones you saw out there um, one half of my role was uh, helping to come up with the memes and the, the general ideas that we wanted to, to do. But to be honest with you, the, the funny short story is around the launch of the game on um, April 18th, 2018, uh, Corey Barlog comes to me, I think it might have even been on launch day, and he shows me on his phone the Atreus thumbs up meme. And he's like, I had the animation team create this. I'm going to tweet it out at midnight when the game launches. And I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. And then he showed me the Kratos throwing the computer in the trash. And I was like, that's even more amazing. Um, and I was like, how, what, where did this come from? And he's like, well, you know, the animation team, the animators, they're just, you know, they're kind of in between, um, you know, we're kind of wrapped up. They had some spare wheels. Um, and until we kind of get going on the next project, you know, we had, had some time. We just, we just did it. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. Uh, I can't wait to help amplify that from our studio accounts. And obviously those took off and there were only a few created at the time and because of the success of that and because the development team had this this very limited window of time we're talking maybe a couple months 
between you know working on projects and there were other people already working on other projects but there were some people that just had the time and the passion myself Corey um uh another woman named hannah foyle great producer over there and some others we kind of came together and created just an excel sheet of different memes we wanted to latch onto and i think one of the most memorable ones if not the most memorable um was the the kratos uh kind of sick burn you know with him standing there in the middle of the basketball court and all the other uh cast you know dancing around him and we hung on to that one for over six months and we were waiting for the right moment and i kid you not when i say like we even thought about like you know if we win an award did we put it out there we're like no 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 that's just so disrespectful we're not this is one industry we're not trying to like stomp on anybody and so then Corey and i kept like we just kept like waiting for the moment and i had the gift on my phone i had it ready to go any day and uh, the moment happened when I was at the movie theater with my wife seeing, um, I think it was Avengers Endgame. It might have been Infinity War, but I think it was Endgame <laughs> because this was almost a year out from the game release. So, you know, I think that's that's Endgame time. I'm losing my mind here. But anyways, um, I'm in the movie theater. I'm on Twitter. I'm seeing a bunch of people talking about Avengers before the movie's ready to screen. And I saw this hashtag that Marvel and the they were using. And I was like, Corey, this is it. This is the moment. We need to hack this hashtag. We need to put this meme out there. We need to capitalize on the Avengers movie being out and suggest that Kratos could take down Thanos. And this is the sick burn like gift that we're going to use to put that out there. And he's like, go, go, go. You're right. You're right. Let's do it. And so I ran out of the theater to get an internet connection, um, posted the gift. With, I think the hashtag was something like, you know, we're in this together, or I, I forgot exactly what it was, but it was clearly like we were taking that hashtag to our own. <laughs> and I come out of the theater after the movie, and the gift just had like, you know, endless amounts of engagements and retweets. It turned out to be our our most engaged tweet ever from the studio, you know, no surprise. And um, it was basically suggesting that Kratos could take down Thanos. And, uh, that was the story of using that that last meme, and uh, I don't think to this date the the team has created any more since. But I'm sure there'll be more in the future. <laughs> I, said, I just love the idea of you're watching Avengers, you see Thanos on screen, you're like, eh, Kratos could take him, and then you, and then you do the double take, and you're like, oh, I need to get that, I need to get that thought out. <laughs> yeah, it was like you know, social is so reactive and fast. You know, sometimes if you just have the spark of an idea and you have the right asset that's sitting there, you're like, this is it. This is the moment. And I I remember it was like so many people, I, I'm talking like maybe, you know, six or seven different people had had their hand in the making of that single meme. If you think about the character modelers, the animators, the producer, the, the you know, the, the different, all more than that, you know, even the code, like think about all the things that just even make that moment possible and i'm sitting there lowly social media manager in a theater with this incredible gif on my phone waiting six months for the moment to use it and here it is and um everybody was really proud that we used it in that moment it was uh it was the right time and place <laughs> and speaking speaking of right time and place i guess this would be a good place to end to end our time in the brave room today uh thank you so much to aaron for coming on uh this is this is your free window to promote anything anything you'd like well, um, you know, I, as I like to say, I've stolen this, this quote 
from um, a really great book called The Marketing Rebellion by an author named Mark Schaefer. And, and he says, you know, we are our fans' greatest fans. And that for the last year or two has been my mantra as a social media manager. And I think it goes back to the analogy that I was saying at the beginning that, you know, for anybody who's aspiring to be a social media manager, if you're a social media manager out there already, no matter what kind of industry you're, you're in or brand you're working on, um, you are your fans' greatest fans. You know, you are the dinner table that all of your fans should be welcome to come sit at. And at the end of the day, that that is the heart and soul of what we're trying to do in, in how we engage with our audience and promote our brands on social media. Um, and if everything we do, every content we create, all the communications we do come from that frame of mind, um, I think you'll be in a really great place. Um, and that's certainly what I'm trying to learn and be better at every day. That's a very nice sentiment. Uh... Anyways, Aaron, would you like to promote your, your Twitter account? <laughs> sure, why not? Self-promotion. Uh, uh, yeah, my Twitter account, you can follow me at just underscore tank. Um, and uh, if, if you think of my dinner, my, my, my Twitter account as a dinner table, anybody and everybody is, is welcome to it anytime. Yeah, so go go follow him. Go follow Square Enix, obviously, to go go see what they're working on next. Also, leave a comment on the podcast. We want to hear from you. Make sure to rate us as well so that, you know, more people can listen to us and I can dedicate an entire working day to answering emails. And this has been an episode of The Brave Room. Thank you so much for listening. Be kind to each other, guys. Take care. Stay safe, stay home. Stay safe, stay home. And yeah, just be nice to each other, please. We have enough mean people. Just be nice.